Amen. Amen. Church, whilst you are taking your seat, why don't you just look around and wave to somebody that you are near. If you are at home and you are in your living room or wherever you are, why don't you just text somebody from church to say hello. And uh, we would normally have a total move around and everyone would be going and hugging and saying hello. Obviously, we can't do that at the moment. So text somebody or send somebody a message. It is great to see you. As we've already said, we give you a warm welcome to those online and to those here with us this morning in person. It is great to be able to meet in person, even with some of the slight changes to our service and the restrictions that we have to abide by. We have had a great few weeks in church. I have loved to be able to see all of you guys and to be able to see all the people at home connecting on Facebook and on YouTube and on our website. And um, it's been great a few weeks in church. And I've really enjoyed the last few weeks as we've looked at this series that we've entitled God's Grand Design. This God that we stand in the presence of today has this plan and this design for our lives. I've loved how we have been exploring what that plan means and how the different phases and steps of that plan for our lives. And last week, Jackie talked about the interior design and not just the interior design of, of, of a house, but our personal interior design, the things that make us, us, the, the qualities, the things that God says over our lives. And she talked about how God requires full access to every aspect of our inner being so that he can decorate us and mold us in the way that he wants to mold us and to decorate us. That the way in which he internally designs and molds us is far greater and more extravagant than we could ever do on our own. The things that we can collate and do in our lives are nothing compared to what God can do. I love how it says in Ephesians, a well-known verse, that he is able to do immeasurably more than we could dream, ask, or imagine. I love how the Passion Translation puts it. It says that he will, God will, achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, than your most unbelievable dream, and will exceed your wildest imagination. We believe here that God wants to exceed our imaginations, that individually and collectively he wants to achieve infinitely more than what we could imagine. And I started to think about, you know, the dreams that we have and the imagination that we have, that our wildest dream is almost the place where God begins. That the most wildest adventure, the most wildest thoughts we could ever have about our lives is exactly where God begins and he goes beyond those places. And our prayer as a leadership and as a church is that we walk in this design, that we continue to be molded and to be decorated and designed by the master builder that is God. And this week, we're doing part two of interior design, but actually we're going to look at our collective interior design. What is the interior design of Riviera Life Church? I did a little bit of research, and uh, this piece of research estimates that there are 2.18 billion Christians on earth. That's also a piece of research shows that the average size church is about 80 people. This research goes on to talk about that they estimate 
There are 27 million local churches in our world. That's quite a few, isn't it? 27 million different gatherings of Christians that meet to worship God. 27 million unique, diverse gatherings of beautiful families that gather united by Jesus. 27 million gatherings of people from different generations, with different life experiences, from different cultural backgrounds. They speak different languages. Their skin color is different. They have different theologies sometimes, but they are united by Jesus. 27 million gatherings that make up the body and the family of Christ. 27 million different core values, different mission statements, different key verses, different discipleship programs, different mission outreach, different pastoral groups, different strategies, different leaderships. 27 million. And we are one of them. Isn't it incredible to be part of this incredibly massive family, this, this body, this community of believers, all so different, yet united and bound together by so much. I started to think about how all these different gatherings would express and communicate their interior design and their purpose differently. They would all have different vocabulary, different terminologies. They would be slightly different, they might look different, they might sound different, but if we're being truthful this morning, they should at the very heart be the same. They should at the very core of who they want to be and how they outwork be the same. And to get a true understanding of what I believe the interior design God wants for his church, I believe we need to go to the original gathering. We need to go back to the original gathering to see what it is about their interior design that we can learn from. And we read in Acts 2, the birth of the church. We read how Jesus has ascended to heaven and the disciples are left. And we read in these moments in Acts 2 that there's this moment where the disciples are in an upper room. And in this upper room, the Spirit of God comes and fills that place and fills those people. They encounter the Holy Spirit and this is the moment that the church is birthed. Whatever we do and whoever we are to become, whatever the interior design of our church has to be centred around, empowered by, filled with the Holy Spirit. The interior design of the church is filled with the Holy Spirit. It says in those moments that all in the house were filled. That means that every single room in the house was filled. That means that every person in every room in that house was filled. It didn't just contain to the upper room, but everyone in that place was filled with the Spirit of God. That those disciples were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, but also the people serving the disciples were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And when one room is filled, the whole house gets filled. And God's desire is that every aspect of our house, every member of our house, whether you feel inferior to others or not, needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit. God's intention is that every room and every person is empowered and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit is available to every one of us, whether we are in this building or whether we are at home. We carry on reading about how 
the disciples leave this place in these moments and they preach the gospel so powerfully that they see signs and wonders. And then we read in Acts 2, verse 42 to 43, it says these words. The disciples, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many signs and wonders performed by the apostles. Firstly, we need to understand and address the fact that the Bible describes the early Christians as people who devoted themselves. They were a devoted people. This word devoted is translated from a Greek word called proskiterio. And the meaning of proskiterio, the meaning of this word devoted, is to persist in adherence to, to be intently engaged in, to attend constantly to and remain constantly in. And the problem with our world today is that no one is devoted to anything. We have been sold a lie by the world that you don't need to truly devote yourself to anything or anyone to succeed. That success and growth can happen so quickly that there's no need to devote yourselves any longer. There is also this culture where if things get a little bit difficult or if things get a little bit tough, we run away. The moment that the challenge feels a little bit too much, the moment that the obstacle is a little bit too big, we retreat, we run and we hide and we ignore the problem. Yet the Bible talks about how the early church were a devoted people. This attitude that persistently adhered to, intently engaged in, constantly attended to and remained in. They didn't give up on relationships because they disagreed. They didn't run away from their faith community because things got difficult. They didn't abandon their faith because the word of God didn't allow them to keep being hypocrites. They didn't hide from responsibility. They didn't ignore the call of God, but instead they devoted themselves They gave themselves wholeheartedly to the call and the purpose God had for them. Whilst the world disappeared, they devoted themselves. Whilst the world retreated and hid, they devoted themselves. And the call of God on our lives, individually and collectively, requires wholehearted devotion. The plan God has for us requires our full attention, our full focus, all of our energy and our resources. And whilst everyone around you disappears, whilst everyone around you flakes away, choose to be devoted. John Wesley said these words, always remember the essence of Christian holiness is simplicity and purity. One design, one desire entire devotion to God. The plan, the purpose, the call requires a devoted pursuit. We will never achieve the potential that God has placed within us without wholehearted devotion. Your dream, your hopes, your ambitions will come to nothing without entire entire wholehearted devotion. Mother Teresa said this, there is always the danger that we may just do the work for the sake of the work. This is where the respect and love and the devotion come in. 
that we do it to God, to Christ. And that's why we try to do it as beautifully as possible. Our work, our ministry, our lives, the beauty of them is determined by the level of our devotion. How beautiful is your life? How beautiful is your walk with God? How beautiful is the ministry and the call that God has given you? But check the level of your devotion. So what did they devote themselves to? What did the apostles, what did these first believers prioritise their attention and focus on? The first thing is that we read is that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Do you know in these early days, they weren't as privileged as we are today. They weren't as blessed as we are today. They didn't have the accessibility to the word of God as we do. Today, all we have to do is download an app and sign up to a plan that helps us read the Bible in a year. On those apps and on those plans, it helps to give us the context of the time. It it helps to give us a study of the word. It, It makes it so easy for us to understand and to learn and to grow. Today, all you have to do is go onto the internet and you can access some of the greatest preachers and communicators in this world. You can be in Asia, Africa, America and Australia all in a day listening to some of the most gifted communicators in our world. We're privileged to have the freedom to express our faith without persecution. We have the freedom to express our worship without fear of death. But this wasn't the same for the early church. They didn't have the New Testament. They were living it. They were the New Testament. They didn't have Paul's letters to recall and go back on. They maybe had a scrap of uh, paper with one little word that they carried with them. They didn't have the access and freedom we have. They knew as well that this devoted life that they set out on could probably end in death. They knew that they might be stoned. They knew that they would be persecuted. They knew that they would be hated. They knew that they would be targeted and attacked. But they chose to devote themselves to the teaching. The stories they had heard and shared of Jesus and his lessons. The Holy Spirit inspired interpretations of the Torah and the Old Testament. They daily devoted themselves to discipleship every day of their lives, devoting themselves to discipleship. Some of these followers would have walked with Jesus. They would have talked with Jesus. They would have ate with him. They would have listened to the actual person of Jesus. Yet they still devoted themselves to discipleship after he had gone. Surely, surely being in his presence was enough. Surely listening to what he had to say in those few years that he was here was enough. No, they knew they had to continue to devote themselves. They knew that this discipleship was an ongoing journey. And here at Riviera Life Church, we are committed to discipleship. We are devoting ourselves to discipleship. Discipleship is and will always be part of our interior design. It's never going to change. And we believe that discipleship is about being an all-in follower of Jesus Christ and is about helping, encouraging, practically teaching, relationally guiding, coaching, mentoring, and equipping others to become the same. Do you know, discipleship is more than just a course you go on. 
or a group that you join or a book that you read, but it is life's journey. A daily decision we make every day to grow a little bit closer to Jesus than we were yesterday. And currently we have groups, life groups, age groups. We have growth tracks. We have our Sunday teaching. We have loads of different things that help people along their journey in discipleship. And these things that we currently have in place aren't there forever. They change with the season of life. They change with how we feel God wants us to move and go. But what we will never move from, what we will never change is the fact that discipleship is and will always be a part of our interior design. Brenning Manning said these words, for those who feel their lives are a grave disappointment to God. It requires enormous trust and reckless, raging confidence to accept that the love of Jesus Christ knows no shadow of alteration or change. When Jesus said, come to me, all you who labour and are heavy burdened, he assumed we would grow weary, discouraged and disheartened along the way. These words are a touching testimony to the genuine humanness of Jesus. He had no romantic notion of the cost of discipleship. He knew that following him was as unsentimental as duty and as demanding as love. Do you know true discipleship, not just a course, not just a group or a book, but true discipleship will cost us everything. Every dream we have, every fear we experience, every emotion that goes through our body, Every little bit of pride, every preference we have, every bit of finance and resource we have, it will cost us everything. But the reward is always Jesus. The reward is being more like Jesus. The reward is knowing him closer and deeper and better than we have ever known him before. The early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They have devoted themselves to discipleship. Let's focus on a particular challenge and teaching of Jesus then. A challenge and a teaching that I believe the early church clearly devoted themselves to. We read in Matthew 28, the last few words of Jesus. He talks to his disciples and he challenges them. He says these words, he says, All the authority of the universe has been given to me. Now go in my authority and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to faithfully follow all that I have commanded you. And never forget that I am with you every day, even to the completion of this age. Jesus' commission here, Jesus' challenge, Jesus' moment of teaching is saying, you have been called, I have chosen you to go out into the world. We know that the early church devoted themselves to this. All you have to do is continue reading the New Testament to see that the early church went out all across Europe, all across different parts of Asia, and they met people, and they raised leaders, and they planted churches. They took this message, they took this challenge literally. They devoted themselves to it. And we also know this, because we are here today. Me and you... We are the result of their devotion. 
We are sat in this place today or at home today listening to this service because of the devotion of the early church that said, you know what? Jesus has challenged us. He has set us apart. He has asked us to do something and I am going to choose to devote myself to it so that people thousands of years later can reap the benefits of my devotion. And there are people in our future that will miss out if we don't decide today to devote ourselves. There are generations that will be lost. There are people in hundreds of years that will go to hell if we do not say today to say, I will devote myself to whatever it is that he needs of me to do. We know we are the result of the disciples' devotion to mission. Mission has to be a part of the interior design of our house. Because without mission, we're no more than a social group. We're no more than a social club. They get together and make each other feel better and go home. But with mission, as our mandate, with mission as our focus, with being devoted to mission, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we become the master plan of God for the salvation of humanity. We believe the mission is reaching out into the community with the gospel message, individually and collectively by the way we speak and act addressing practical, emotional, and spiritual needs. Do you know, God has given every one of us a mission field. He has placed people around every single one of us for a reason. There is no coincidence that you are friends of who you are friends with, who you work with, who you are related to. It is no coincidence, but they have been strategically placed by God for us to reach. There's no coincidence that the customers that you serve are the people that you meet. They have strategically been placed there. And we have some practical ways that we outwork mission. We believe that we all have individual responsibility to evangelize, to reach out to our world. But we also run projects like our storehouse that we talked about earlier. Meeting practical needs, we run our baby bank, we've ran some dignity days, helping those that are less fortunate than ourselves. We have so many different things that we do in order to reach out, in order to be missional. And again, just like our discipleship program, these things may change. But what will never change is the call to mission. What will never change is the devoted heart, the wholehearted devotion to mission. Isabel Khan said, I believe that in every generation, God has called enough men and women to evangelize all the unreached people of the earth. It is not God who does not call, but it is man who will not respond. And our challenge is how will we respond? Because the call is there. The mandate is there. The challenge is there. But how do we respond? The second thing I learned that the disciples, the early disciples devoted themselves to was to fellowship and to the breaking of bread. I believe this again highlights our need as humanity for each other. We cannot and we should not go through life in isolation. We cannot and we should not go through life separated from our faith community. We need each other. We need to sharpen each other. In Proverbs, it says that it takes a grinding wheel to sharpen a blade. And so one person sharpens the character of another. You see, without the support 
and the love and the encouragement and the challenge of each other, we become blunt. We become ineffective. And maybe you're here today or you're at home today feeling blunt, feeling a little bit lost, hopeless, ineffective. But ask yourself, who have you surrounded yourself with? How long have you been isolated from those that give you life, that make you sharper? We need each other. I need you and you need me. Because without each other, we become blunt and ineffective. Henry Newman said these words. He said, Christian community is the place where we keep the flame of hope alive among us and take it seriously so it can grow and become stronger in us. When we are together, online or in person, whether we are together when we message or we call each other, we fan into flame that hope, the hope and strength that brings our bodies and minds and spirits as one, the hope and strength that renews us, that keeps us going. If you're feeling weak and drained, exhausted or overwhelmed, why struggle alone? You don't need to carry this burden alone. But there is a community, there is a family here that will love you, support you and strengthen you. There is a family here that will help you carry the burden. Diedrich Bonhoeffer said these words, Christianity means community through Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. No Christian community is more or less than this. Whether it is a brief, single encounter or the daily fellowship of years, Christian community is only this. We belong to one another only through and in Jesus Christ. We belong to each other. Maybe you've felt like you've never belonged anywhere. Maybe you've felt a misfit all of your life. Out of place, out of sync. But when we are in this community together, when we are in community with Jesus, we belong to each other. That means that your burdens are not a problem to us. It means that your challenges are not an inconvenience to us. It means that your struggles are not a waste of my time. We need each other. We need community. If you are alone, isolated, fearful or overwhelmed, reach out. You don't need to be anymore. The early church devoted themselves to community. And we too need to devote ourselves to the community. The third and final thing they devoted themselves to was prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. I believe that prayer is the most undervalued and neglected part of most Christians' walk. We add prayer on at the end as this token gesture. We go to God in prayer when we need something. We treat God as a vending machine that we type in what we need and expect a result, expect to get what we ask for, rather than recognising and valuing that prayer is those moments of intimacy between us and God. That prayer is the oxygen to our faith. We need to realise that we will never truly impact this world if we don't devote ourselves to prayer. We will never influence this community 
We will never reach out to those that God wants us to reach out to. We will never grow to be the people God wants us to be if prayer isn't a part of our interior design. We won't reach the potential that God has placed within us if our lives don't start, carry on and end with prayer. We believe that prayer should underpin all that we do. Recognising that without constantly connecting and communicating with God, we are and can do nothing significant and lasting. Prayer will always be a part of our interior design as a church. We cannot ignore it. We cannot neglect it. We will never change our stance. We cannot no longer afford to underestimate the power of prayer. I started to think, why is it that we don't pray? Why is it that we struggle with prayer? Why is it that it is this constant battle in people's lives? I've had countless conversations with people and we ask them, how do you pray? They have no idea. How's your prayer life? They don't even know where to begin. And if that's you, you're not on your own. I imagine that every single person in this room or every single person that belongs to Jesus at some point in their walk has struggled with prayer. And sometimes I believe that it's because we feel intimidated. When we aren't as eloquent as some, when we haven't got the vocabulary of some, we don't know what to say, we don't know how to say it, we don't even know when to say it. We feel intimidated. Max Licardo, this pastor in America, said these words, our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. You see, our inability to articulate ourselves in a way that impresses people is irrelevant. What we say and how we say it and the words we use and in comparing ourselves to somebody who says it so well is irrelevant when we understand that the power of prayer is because God is listening, it's because God is moving, it's because God is wanting to do something in our lives that will change the landscape of our community. It is not about what we say, it is all about who we are saying it to. And He is always listening. It is not about our ability, but it is about his authority. And this morning you may feel inadequate when you speak. You may feel inadequate when you pray because, and it's something you just avoid because you feel intimidated. Yeah, the God of all authority is the one at the other side of that prayer listening. And he is loving you and he is proud of you. And he is so pleased that you have just started to speak to him. Let us not underestimate the power of prayer. Prayer has to be. Prayer is and will be a part of our interior design as a church. Here at Riviera Life Church, we make the decision that we are devoting ourselves to discipleship. We are devoting ourselves to mission, just like those early church did. We are devoting ourselves to each other. We are devoting ourselves to our community, just like the early church did. And just like the early church, we devote ourselves to prayer. This is and will always be a part of our interior design. Let's pray. 
And right across this room and those that are watching at home, I just want you to have a few moments where you reflect. Maybe you close your eyes. Maybe you want to kneel. Maybe you just want to sit there in silence for a few moments. And the call to the devoted life requires everything. The call to the devoted life will cost us more than we could ever imagine. But when you devote yourself to the one who gives you everything, you don't have to worry about what it costs. When you devote yourselves to the one who continues to meet our needs, you don't have to worry about the bills and the finances and the challenges that are to come. And this morning I want to do two things. I want to give everyone an opportunity in this place and who's watching at home, if you have never accepted Jesus to be your saviour, if you've never made that commitment to become a Christian, I want to give you these moments to make that commitment. And if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer in the quietness of yourself. Dear God, thank you that you gave everything for me. Thank you that you gave Jesus to die for me. That you devoted yourself to me. That your love pursued me. And today, I'll make the decision to devote myself to you. To pursue you. Amen. And in this place, with every eye closed or at home, if you've made that decision I just want you to indicate by raising your hand. If you're at home and you've made that decision, I want you to be brave and to message us, to email us, to contact us. And we will contact you with the next step. And the second thing and the last thing I want to do is I feel like there are some people in our church, in our family, who, when I was talking about that true devotion... That devoted life, you realise that you haven't been fully devoted. You have held things back. You've been intimidated. You felt insecure. You felt inferior, not good enough. And therefore, you have held things back. And this morning, I just want to pray for you and ask God that he will break that mindset. That he will give you the courage you need to live this devoted life. And if that's you, I'm not going to ask you to stand, but I'm just going to ask you to clench your fist as a sign to God. And as I pray and I say amen, I want you to open your fist because whatever has been held, held to you, whatever's been holding on to you, whatever you've been holding on to that you know you need to let go of and devote yourself, I'm going to pray and believe that as you open your fist that God is Holy Spirit will come and give you the courage to live that devoted life. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have called every one of us. I thank you, God, that you have placed potential in every single one of us. I thank you that no one here or no one listening is here by mistake or by chance or by luck, but they are here because you have ordained them to be here. You have purposed them to be here. And we make a decision today, God, that whatever we are holding on to, whatever is stopping us from living this devoted life, we are letting go of today. And we will have the courage and the boldness to live 
this devoted life that you have called us to. That whatever it costs, whatever it takes, whatever we have to get rid of, whatever we have to remove, we will do so in order to live this devoted life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let's show our appreciation to Jordan, shall we? That was great.